It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Discord and Facebook. This week's episode, The Great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist. The greatest of them all. (laughs) One heist to rule them all. (laughs) Yes. This, man, talk about, you know, tomfoolery, man. This is... This case is just insane. It's got ridiculous shenanigans and tomfoolery. It's got both of those in there. It yeah. just tickles me too. Yeah. <laughs> if, you were, yeah. if you were to like sum up the whole thing with one word, either shenanigans or tomfoolery would be a, an appropriate way to do it, I think. Yeah. And also the biggest heist in the history of Quebec, Canada. Believe it <laughs> or not. Crazy? Is that how you pronounce it? Quebec? Quebec? I think so. I'm, I don't know. Quebec? I think it's, is it Quebec or Quebec? I don't know. And along those lines, know, you know, French is not a language I took in high school because I was really scared of all the vowel combinations and then the consonants are all silent. Like I never understood it, but we all have terrible accents and we can't pronounce anything. So I went on <laughs> YouTube and I watched like a short video on how to pronounce French words because I couldn't even pronounce the names of the people uh-huh. involved in the heist. It is not an easy language, that's for sure. It's really not. So I'm just looking at like one set of vowels, and it's like the vowels for for the sound uh, and and it's E-A-U or E-U or O-U, and they're talking about having like open-mouthed or closed-mouthed, and the X is silent in de, and then fleur is pronounced differently, but they sound the same to me. So I thought for fun, what we'd do is we'd listen <laughs> to some of the most difficult words to pronounce in French, and we could try and pronounce them. Oh, heck yeah, let's do it. I'm all over it, man. I'm going <laughs> to oh, knock this no. one out of the park. So the hardest <laughs> word to say in French, apparently for foreigners, is locksmith, and it's spelled S-E-R-R-U-R-E-R-I-E. So wait, hold on. Let me, let me, write, let me type this out. <laughs> Let me type this out so I can okay. so I can get it. Okay. My cool. answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. S E R R U R E R I E. Oh, that's easy. Sorori. <laughs> Salori. <laughs> so hold on. I have how you pronounce it. I went to um to Google to listen to different pronunciations. Let's see if we can pick it up on the mic. Sorori. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many syllables, man. Syllables. <laughs> you know what? You, if, That's if too many in, syllables and not enough letters. If you're in Quebec and you need a locksmith, you're in trouble anyways. Your least of your concerns is how to pronounce it. So then I have a friend yeah. who speaks French, and she said to try something a little easier, like squirrel. So <laughs> I want you guys to try and pronounce squirrel. All right. <laughs> you ready? Écureuil. E-Q-R-E. E-Q-R-E. No, but there's like these rolling. E-Q-R-E. E-Q-R-E. You, you put like, like a little bit of a in there too, right? <laughs> I don't even 
even know. <laughs> so I've given up. I, I know for a fact that I will never speak French. Yeah, probably not. Speaking of, yeah. the, the title of this case in French is something like uh, Vol de Sirop de Bleu du Cercle, which I'm sure I did oh. 100% correctly. Okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did you just, what does that mean? It, I, I don't know. Something in French about the great Canadian maple here. Syrup heist? Okay. Something like the heist of the century or something like oh, that. Oh, all right. I thought you were referring to the Federation, which has like some acronym for also French. <laughs> and I gave up. I'm just going to call it the Federation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, just... Or the cartel. Yeah, the, the, federation the, of, yeah. the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. Yes, those fellas. In, 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 in English, but in French, in French, I, uh, yeah. I'm not oh, even going to yeah. try. I have no idea. All right. So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about the great Canadian maple syrup ice. What is that exactly? Well, during the years of 2011 and 2012... A couple of fellas stole 3,000 tons of maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) Which That's crazy. (laughs) That's fucking insane. 3,000 tons of syrup, dude. 40 million pounds. 9,561 barrels, which comes out to somewhere in the ballpark of $18 million Canadian or $12 million or $13 million American. And like I said, uh, according to my sources, which is, you know, basically like Wikipedia and stuff, <laughs> this is the largest theft ever in, in Quebec, Quebec, Canada. It's, I mean, it's just so silly that it's syrup, guys. It's silly, and yet there's jail time involved. Oh, plenty of jail time. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most Canadian thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, right? <laughs> it doesn't get more Canadian than that. It's a it's a case I've been wanting to do for a long time now, but it's one of those ones it's not like it's not super in the realm of stuff that we do normally. Paranormal. It's just it's just so much fun that I had to do it anyways, right? Supernatural. It, there's nothing supernatural going on here. No. Except for the uh I guess if you want to say that the the syrup from Canada is out of this world, I suppose. We have, because I spent a decent portion of the day, like, you know, reading about this, watching, I watched like a documentary and took notes and stuff. I was like, dude, I'm, I want some pancakes for dinner. So I know, right. We had pancakes for dinner and I ate like way too much syrup. And now I got kind of (laughs) sleepy food coma. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) But okay. So one barrel of syrup is worth about $1,200 American which is, of course, uh, if you're looking into this case, they always compare that to crude oil. It's many times the value of crude oil. And that's this is very important to know. They want you to know that, the uh, syrup producers. This is much more valuable than crude oil. In Canada, I've heard they call it liquid gold. Do they really? I don't know. I read it online. Oh, okay. Because they, they call it oil. They call it black gold, don't oh, they? Oh, so liquid. Like gold and gold. <laughs> yep. They store both of them in barrels. You know, and syrup is kind of gold colored. I don't know. Do you know what they call uh, like American syrup, like Aunt Jemima? What? They call it pole syrup because they say it comes from telephone poles <laughs> instead of like trees. How, how dare they? I, I love me some Aunt Jemima. Apparently, how dare we have yeah, not how, maple syrup? How dare we? It's apparently it's rude to offer fake syrup in Canada. Like you, somebody might punch you in the face if they come over to your house and you offer a Aunt Jemima. 
You know, that's like that's like slapping them in the face. Dude. Hey, it's do like, we, it's on. Do we have Aunt Jemima in the house? Well, we used to have Aunt Jemima yeah. in the house. And who put a stop to that? You did. That's right. I Damn said it. I said only the best, only maple <laughs> syrup in this household. What are you from Canada? <laughs> no, it's just the other <laughs> stuff's not really syrup. Are you a syrup snob? It's, it's really there is no comparison. It's sugary. Mm. But yeah, it so, is it is way better. Yeah, it is it is better. <laughs> hey, I will say I have I have maple syrup. Well, it's supposed to be like like legit maple syrup. Uh, but I also have some Miss uh, Buttersworth as well. Oh, dude, I love the Miss Buttersworth. It's got that butter flavor. Here's the thing: if I'm going to be like uh, throwing some like egg waffles in the the toaster or something like that, I'm not going to use the the good syrup on that. Are you kidding me? On <laughs> eggs? No, I'm, yeah. I'm going to use a good syrup on like some some homemade like Belgian waffles or something, something that's worthwhile. You know what I mean? Uh huh. It's got to be worth it. You know what I mean? I don't want to waste it because that 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 stuff actually is a whole lot more expensive. I mean, it's. It's not cheap, like real maple syrup. You got to get it from cheap, Costco. At least where I live. Costco. Yeah, that's. Oh, really? It's yeah. much cheaper at Costco. When a jug, what is it, a quart? Yeah. Uh, or something, a quart of organic maple syrup. I ain't got syrup. no Costco's in my town. Uh, yeah. At Costco, it's for us, it's like 15 bucks. The same, the pretty much the exact same thing at the regular store is probably like 25, 30 bucks. It's really expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like half the price at Costco. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I, th- I think they clo- the closest Costco to me is probably about two and a half hours away, I think. Dang. Well, you better load up on syrup when you go there. Well, uh, you can still order online. Like, like, There's quite a bit of stuff you can still get online with Costco. Oh, so yeah. So you don't have to necessarily go to a store. I forgot like about the coffee, that. Like the Jose's coffee. My favorite, my favorite is a Jose's vanilla bean. It is delicious. It's pretty damn good. You know, yeah, that just, actually is pretty good. You're not going to blow your socks off necessarily. But it's it's solid, you know. It has that vanilla taste where it's not like it doesn't taste like a uh, fake because some some vanilla flavor like it it just I don't know it's kind of like like cheap. It, it it tastes I don't know. It's just like you know it's not you can tell it's not good quality, you know. Mm-hmm. But this stuff is a uh, solid. I would say solid. But anyways, back to the uh, the great Canadian maple syrup. I got ice. some facts over here. Well, wait, wait. I wanted to say one more thing uh-huh. that I had for the introduction. That okay that I saw on this is somebody compared it, uh, a Canadian compared, they said that syrup is to Canadians as baseball is to Americans. That's how seriously they take their syrup. <laughs> and um, that I thought that was awesome. Cause like, Hey, that's like, that's a free SAT question answer for all, for all you <laughs> young people out there. Right. And uh, I thought that was awesome because I didn't waste all that time studying for the SAT. I finally, after all these years, I got to use one of those stupid word comparisons. So I mean, you know, pay pay off, right? So, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> okay, Ether, you you had some fun facts. All Maybe right. not fun, just you know, facts about ah, they're fun. Maple syrup, maple trees. So, forty gallons or one hundred and fifty liters of maple tree sap to make a single gallon or three point eight liters of syrup. Dang! And it's mostly water. You know, it comes out as sap. It's like ninety eight percent water, two percent is this good stuff. And you got to like boil all of that off in order to make the maple syrup and sugar yeah, season. That's where, yeah. Uh, I was going to say that's, that's uh, where the, the, the term sugar shack came from. Sugar shack. I thought they were talking about uh, houses of ill repute. Okay. <laughs> this case makes so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's one term. I mean, that could, that could mean something else somewhere, somewhere else as well, but 
yeah, uh, you know, uh, Sugar Shack is one of those uh, places where they they burn it, they, they you know they they cook it and melt it down to actual syrup. Right. Well, because you ever hear like a song and they're talking about sugar, they're never talking about syrup. Or are they? Nope. Pour pour some sugar <laughs> on me. You know, they they don't mean syrup. They might still call it syrup, but that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more facts. Agent. More facts, more facts. So the French actually learned about how to tap the trees from the Iroquois people. So it was a technique that was being used long before anybody got here besides the natives. Just wanted to point that out. It's it's not like something that, that comes specifically from Canadians. Don't be offended. It was, you know, around hmm. a lot longer than that. And uh, sugar season only lasts four to six weeks in the early spring. During World War II, sugar was rationed, and the use of maple syrup was encouraged as a substitute in Canada. Hmm. Do you think that's possibly what, uh, why it gained so much popularity there? I don't know. It's kind of just really good, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maple leaf is on their flag. That's true enough. Let's see. A single tree produces 5 to 15 gallons or 19 to 57 liters per season, which represents 10% of the sap that's actually in the tree. And a maple tree can take up to 45 years in order to start producing the sap needed for tapping, and then it will make sap for many generations. So those are all just interesting facts I found that I did not know about maple trees. And sugar. That's kind of crazy. I, I didn't know it, it takes that much time just for it to produce sap, like the, the type of sap that you want. I think right? it doesn't take that much time. I think without like hurting the tree and to be able to continuously tap into it each spring, you have to wait for it to age. Uh, okay. Maybe to get big enough too, to start uh, okay. tapping it. To get enough. Because, yeah, like you said, you have to reduce it a lot. So yeah. it doesn't come out of the tree like that. No. How cool would that be, though? You're just walking around the forest, <laughs> you just. Pull out your pocket knife and just stab a tree, you know, stabby, stabby a tree a little bit and just start licking away. That'd be so cool. Oh, I wonder how it tastes <laughs> when it's unrefined, just like. Yeah, I don't know. Maple tea? Yeah, maple tea. There you go. Probably, yeah. <laughs> maple broth? All right. Well, I think a good place to start in this episode it first is to talk about, so in Canada, in Quebec, they have a, a syrup cartel. <laughs> the mafia. It's yeah, it's sort of like a syrup mafia. The regime. It's insane. It's some some people have described it as a dictatorship, mafia, a den of thieves, cartel. They said that uh, they engage in harassment and intimidation. One person called it a prostitute market, where the federation is the pimp and the producers are the whores. You know, like the the people who farm it, they work really hard, but the cartel gets to keep all the money, just like a uh, you know pimp and prostitutes. Um, it's, this is a real thing, people. There's a, a Canadian syrup mafia, but it's not, it's not illegal. It's actually a legal cartel where the government has passed laws for them to be able to, uh, to do this essentially. And they make criminals of the people who don't want to operate by their rules and regulations. Right. And that was, that was one interesting quote that I found was that they've made the, they've made syrup illegal, and in Quebec, uh, drugs are decriminalized. <laughs> so, are they really? Yeah. That's so you crazy. get more trouble for selling syrup on the black market in Quebec than you do for you know carrying around some cocaine or something. I don't know. 
But yeah, well, that's another thing that there, because of this cartel, there actually is a black market for syrup in Canada. Well, it's a free market outside of Quebec, is my understanding. Right. It's just in that, what would you call it, a province? Yeah, it's a province. It's just in that province, yeah. So part of the problem is that most of the world's syrup comes from Quebec. I I don't remember, well, so I found numbers anywhere from 70% to 90%, depending on who you're asking. I think 90% is for all of Canada. Is it? Okay. I don't know exactly what's what, but most of the syrup in the entire world, it all comes from, or almost all of it comes from Quebec. And this is why the cartel here is so powerful, because if they control the prices in Quebec, they control the prices pretty much for everything. And it's, you know, it's sort of an interesting setup they have, but it also creates a lot of its own problems, which this episode is definitely about. So I think we should talk about how the Federation works. Okay. Would you like to talk about that, Ether? Sure. As far as supply and demand and storing the excess syrup, right? Oh, yeah. They store it in a... <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have a global... What do they call it? The global, The global strategic syrup reserve. <laughs> There's 40 million pounds <laughs> at mostly undisclosed warehouses in rural areas. Yeah. It's, they have a global syrup reserve in Canada. Just in case. Yeah, it's crazy. What do I got here? I got in 2008, they actually ran out of syrup. So, really? Yeah, so it sounds like, oh, that's ridiculous and that's so much syrup, but the reserves went dry after five bad sugaring years. So what they did is they released the licenses and quota, which means more people were allowed more taps in their trees And in 2016 alone, they issued 5 million new taps, and now they have 160,000 barrels in reserve. So a quota would be a license to tap a specific number of trees. The bulk of the syrup is sold to buyers, and then the leftover that isn't, you know, part of the quota has to get sent back to the reserve. And the sellers don't get paid for the reserve syrup until it actually gets sold, which might be never. Right. And it it can take many years for them to actually earn money off those reserves. So what the cartel does is they tell each producer, they say, okay, you're only allowed to produce this much. Mm -hmm. Now, this is on their own land. They own this land. They work the land. They own the trees. They own everything. But the cartel gets to tell them how much they're allowed to make. We're talking families, too. Like these... these Generational. Generational. Generational farms. Yeah. A lot of these are. Yeah. And what a lot of these producers will do is anything over the quota, they'll still harvest it, but they'll sell it to the black market. So they can go over to the next province and they can sell it there because the other provinces have a free market. They're not required or they don't have quotas or anything, right? And if, you know, it's technically illegal, I think, to do that for the buyer as well. But if somebody ships some syrup to like a distributor and they say, okay, I'm bringing you this shipment, they can quote unquote, not know where it's coming from, right? It's a pretty good alibi. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a black market for maple syrup in Canada, which I found to be just like the craziest thing, a black market, like just imagine like a black market for like ketchup or Worcestershire sauce or something. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense to me, but there it is. It's a black market for syrup in Canada. Well, if you use this black market or if you don't obey the laws and regulations set forth by the Federation, 
then you face severe fines and penalties into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some case, millions of dollars that they've Lots fined people. of money. And, you know, these producers have to pay tons of mandatory fees, and they're not allowed to do marketing either themselves. Yeah, and... And the, by the way, the fines that they pay, if you pay like $200,000 in fines because they catch you doing something naughty, that money does not go to the government. It doesn't go to the police. It goes to the cartels mm-hmm. or the cartel, not the cartels. It goes right to the cartel and they get to keep all of it. I like how you're just calling it the cartel. Like, <laughs> Well, it is. That's what it is. And people have described it as they, they say that the cartel is the, the judge, jury, and executioner. They don't really have any oversight. If they say, you're paying me $200,000, there's nobody to review that. There's nobody in the government to look at that and say, um, this is not justified or whatever. They just say, you pay us $200,000 and you have to do it if you're a farmer. Otherwise, you can possibly get further penalties or maybe even go to jail in some cases. But it's just, it's so crazy. But um, the proponents of the cartel say that it, before the cartel had power, Prices were all over the place. Some people were forced out of business because, you know, they they would have good years and bad years where you wouldn't either the prices would be too low to sustain them or production was too low and they couldn't make any money and this kind of thing. So there are apparently some producers who like the cartel and there are some who very much do not. I guess it just depends on where you're sitting, you know, but there are some people who have been, you know, on these on these farms for generations, and then all of a sudden, out of out of nowhere, this cartel comes and says, "All right, now you have to. You can only sell through me, and everything you sell, I'm going to take a cut off of that, and you have to pay all this other stuff." And the laws are even written so that the cartel technically owns all of the syrup in the trees, like they own everything. It's technically you're you're just getting it out for them. You don't really own that syrup. They go to great lengths to enforce this, like they'll hire private investigators. To like to spy on people or to film them or whatever, just sit outside their house and watch them do their taps or whatever, or probably go around their land and count the taps and stuff like that. And when they audit these producers, they ask them for like, you know, all sorts of personal documents, like, you know, personal finance and stuff, utility bills, make sure that they're not using too much electricity or power to cook extra stuff, I'm guessing. Um, but you know, like it's very, like, you don't get to see my bank statements. That's ridiculous. But no, they ask for all that stuff. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like I can't imagine, (laughs) you know, just having some stranger, you just have to give them all this personal information and you know, everything's on your bank bank statement, not just, you know, your business stuff. Cause they want to see if you're getting any extra money. Cause I guess if you're going through the black market, that's going to go through your personal account, probably not through your business account. If if there is even is a separation there, I don't know. Depends on how you decide to run your business, I suppose. Through this environment comes the situation of the great maple syrup heist. Oh yeah. <laughs> you could see why these people did the things that they did. You know, like I I don't necessarily blame blame them, I, I guess you could say. And also like to be honest, like it was it was made pretty easy. There was very little security. I was shocked, like no cameras, you know. <laughs> By very little, what Agent Ether means is they'll have a warehouse with millions of dollars of syrup in there, and the security is like a lock on the door. That's their security. Maybe like a pass, 
You know, like you would yeah. use for work to get through the doors. Well, it, it goes even further than that because the warehouse that that syrup was was being housed in was owned by one of the conspirators. You know, so like the the entire structure that it was being housed in, you know, was owned by one of the people that were actually robbing them. You know, I guess you could say. Well, right? that makes sense. Most of these big heists are inside jobs. If you think about what are the armored trucks that drive around, you know, and they have the money they take from the stores and deliver it to the banks. Yeah, there, there's a couple different security those companies. Are, yeah. Those are always inside jobs. There's a, And unfortunately, just on a side, I, I don't know if this is true, but I read that a lot of times since those guards are armed, if they get robbed, they get killed because they, you know, they have, you have to elevate it to that level. You don't got to kill the cashier at 7-Eleven or wherever you're robbing at the gas station because they're probably not armed. But if you're robbing somebody who's armed, you got to up your game and, you know. Well, I know these warehouses, they're Fort Knox now. They got like security cameras and all kinds of bells and whistles. Would they add a padlock to the door? (laughs) 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 No, they spent like millions of dollars. Let's see, $4 million to retrofit the main warehouse. Oh, not the satellite warehouses though. No, not the satellite. Well, maybe. How do we know? Those are probably just barrels sitting in barns out in the middle of nowhere. You could probably just roll right up there and grab some. Like a barrel roller? I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you got your passport? I do indeed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another a fun little piece of slang I learned from this episode is uh, that... Barrel roller? Yeah, barrel roller. People that move... I'm not sure if they're what, what part of the stage they are. I think they're the people who take the black market syrup from the producers to the distributors... They call them barrel rollers. It's not black market syrup. It's hot syrup. Oh, hot syrup. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That syrup's on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So did you you want to tell the story of the theft agent ETA? Continue on that. Sounds like you were. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. So so the the guy that was the spouse of the owner of the warehouse, uh, let me see if I can pronounce this name correctly. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say his name because I didn't know if you had that at hand. But if you if you have the name, then you go ahead. Do it. I'll, I'll let you take care of that one. All right. So, well, let me see if I can pr- pronounce this correctly. It's uh, Avic Caron. Hey, that sounds I okay, think, actually. I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Miss, Miss, Monsieur Avec Caron. That was But he was the spouse yeah. of the person that actually owned the warehouse. You know, when you have somebody who is, you know, potentially paying attention to uh, – opportunities, I guess you could say, you know, like, like if you have like this much stock that it's worth that, that much money just sitting there unprotected, they're going to recognize the opportunity. You, you know what I mean? And so I don't, I don't necessarily like blame the guy like, like, yeah, did you steal? Yeah, you did, which makes you kind of a shitty person. But at the same time, like why they have to make it so easy like the, it I seems know. like they made it so easy. Oh, the temptation! Like, the, like you know, it's the temptation was just too much. Maybe it's just right? so offensive to like the Canadian ideal that they thought nobody would do such a thing. Yeah, you'd it's have, just that bad. You'd have to be a real piece of crap to steal maple syrup. You can't syrup. be a patriot, a Canadian <laughs> patriot, if you're going to go around stealing maple syrup. Well, <laughs> well, and also, we, well, to, we we also just uh, described the. Uh, you know the atmosphere surrounding the the um, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. You know, 
Yeah. So like, it doesn't surprise me that like, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of people within the industry that are, you know, rebels, I guess you could say, you know, yeah. because of the way, the, because of the way that that federation operates, it, it, they've created a lot of people that are just salty as fuck, you know, yeah. when it comes to the industry, the industry in general, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of really unhappy producers. Yeah. Well, because uh, too, yeah, there's a lot of people feel that they're the way that they do business is just, just plain unfair, you know? Right. And it also like the average person, it makes maple syrup far more expensive than it would be otherwise. I don't know exactly what the price difference would be, but I know that, you know, here in the States, it's (laughs) maple syrup is so expensive that most people don't even buy it. So I wonder if their plan is actually, I don't know, would it be better if their prices were more reasonable, maybe more people would buy it. I don't know. They're, they're selling it. Like they have a reserve, but at the same time, it's it's selling. Yeah, but I mean, if they let everybody tap as many trees as they wanted and produce as much as they wanted. Yeah. And they increase the supply. And instead of paying 15 bucks for a one quart jug, you could pay like five bucks or something, right? But then you'd be paying five bucks and they wouldn't make any money. Well, I mean, they'd still make money. It's yeah, just, but the cartel exists to make money. Right. Well, the cartel might not be making any money. Right. The producers. The producers would be making tons money. of money because yeah. they'd be able to produce as much as they wanted. But I don't know. That's uh, We'll talk to an economist for that maybe. Are you an economist? <laughs> <laughs> well, then write into the show and tell me if I'm full of shit or not. Because <laughs> I don't know. I guarantee you I am. You're an economist? <laughs> <laughs> no, mo- mostly full of shit. Oh, full. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From what I understand, there, there's five main perpetrators, or I guess you know, whatever you want to call them, like uh, five main people that were involved in, in the whole, in the the whole scheme. And um, they are the, the, the maple syrup heist ring. I like that. So <laughs> we already mentioned one of them is Avic Caron. Um, there was a Richard. Uh, Valier? Is it, how do you pronounce this Valier? last name? Valier? Valier's? Valier? Damn, Val- French name. Richard and Raymond Valier, which. Father and son. Which Raymond Valier is a father yeah. of Richard Valier. Yeah. I think it's Valier. I, I, I could be wrong about that. I could be very wrong. I know I know for sure one of the other guys, his last name I, I could for sure pronounce, was, which is St. Pierre. And, and the only peasy. reason why I know that is because, you know, George, well, George St. Pierre is one of my favorite fighters of all time. So, you know, I'm going to know how to pronounce that last name. But Etienne, I think is his first name, Etienne. Yeah, Etienne. I think it's Etienne, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I wanted to mention, so I think uh, some people may not, I got an email. Some people don't actually know what Discord is. So if you're listening to this and you don't know what Discord is, it's basically a chat room where you can set up your own server. Anybody can do it. It's real easy to do. It was originally used for gaming, but now other people like, you know, podcasts are starting to use it for their stuff. And it's just a chat room where it's specific to this show. I've set up a Discord server for this show and you can come in the chat room and have a chat with other people who listen to the show and with some of the agents who are on the show. So the actual agents. Yeah. If you see somebody in there with a yellow name, that is actually us. Somebody in there asks, is, is this really the people from the show? It's like, yeah, I know we're like super famous and stuff, but it's really us. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I went, yeah, I went to the grocery store earlier, man. I had a mob following me home. It was crazy. <laughs> I, wish. Oh, I, hate, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, it's horrible. 
<laughs> no, no, but yeah, so it's it's a chat room and you can use it through a browser or the app, whichever you prefer. They have an app uh, for, for both um, like desktop and for your phone. On your phone as well, you can use a browser on your phone. You don't have to use the app. So whatever you prefer. And the way I have it set up right now is it's a it's a public Discord, meaning anybody with the link can join up, which is how I kind of want it. I don't want it to be some podcasts will put it behind like a paywall, like only for like paid members can do the Discord. But I thought it'd just be more fun to have it open to everybody. But um, when you sign up, it'll have you do like uh, like like the is this click click on the pictures of a chimney hey, or whatever it is. Hey, Agent Agent Anderson and Ether, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go use the restroom. Okay. And it also, it might ask you some other questions. It might ask you to verify an email or something. Are I don't, you I don't a robot? Know. I did yeah. not get asked to verify an email. Okay. And it's, I also put it on like a 10 minute delay. So when you sign up, you can't actually chat for 10 minutes. And the reason I did that is because it's a public server with a public link. Um, I don't want it to be a bunch of like spam bots going in there and clogging up the channels because I don't have time to moderate this thing all the time. So I might not even be on there every day, only every, you know, whatever. I, I try to check it at least once a day, but um, I don't want it to be just filled up with garbage. I want it to be just for people who want to go in there and chat. So um, if if you sign up for it and you're like, I have I got to wait 10 minutes, like that's normal. I did that on purpose to try to prevent shenanigans on there. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool service, uh, really cool um, application, I guess you'd call it. So if you want to come and chat with the agents, then check out our Discord, swing on by and say hello. And that's also where we're doing our live shows. If you want to come listen to us live, uh, we usually record Friday nights around nine o'clock, give or take. Today I was late because I was mixing up a drink and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a maple syrup based drink. It's delicious. Maple syrup and what? Whiskey? Whiskey and lemon juice. I feel Cinnamon. like I already said this in this episode. You said it at the beginning before oh, you started recording. Before I started recording. That's right. It's called it's called a a, a Canadian. No, wait, what is it called? Let me look at the... In, in, I'm stalling for time here, by the way, if you folks couldn't tell. I'm waiting for uh, ETA to get back. Oh, it's called a maple leaf cocktail. It's got one and a half ounces of whiskey, half ounce of maple syrup, half ounce of fresh lemon juice, and a cinnamon stick for garnish. Oh, sweet release. I heard ETA making back, some noise baby. there. Oh, he, he's back. All right. Where were we? Let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were talking about the uh, major suspects in the case, I believe. The major suspects. Yes. So uh, Raymond and Richard uh, Valier, or, 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 however, however you pronounce their last names, they were like the insider, like the industry insiders. Like they were the ones that like knew how the black market worked and everything. You know what I mean? Um, St. Pierre uh, was a... Uh, that was a father and son team, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I just thought, I'm like, man, and, uh, how, yes. how great is that? That even though that, you know, the the younger, the son is like in his 40s, man, they're still spending time together. That's great. You know, you got to spend time with your family. That's important. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very important thing, you know, you know, to be closer with their family and stuff and to keep them, you know, you know, uh, especially if you can work with them, like in a professional business as such, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rare thing. You know what I mean? Like you don't get that opportunity very often, you know, to, especially if you get along with your family. Cause like, let's, let's, let's face it. You can't choose your family. Right. Right. So that doesn't necessarily mean, mean you're going to get along with them well enough to work with them, you know, which these two figured it out and, and good on them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a special bond they had. Yeah. All right, sorry to interrupt with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, Etienne Saint Pierre was a, a New Brunswick based uh, syrup seller, and then um, the last one was Sebastian Jatros, I believe. I, I don't know if that's the, pronounce, the pronunciation. Je, yeah, it sounds Jutrus. sounds right. Jutrus. Jutrus. Sounds about right to me. Jutrus. That that was whichever bad. comes first. And, and he was the truck driver that was involved in transporting the, the stolen syrup. Although, um, and we'll, we'll get into this. He, he claimed that he didn't know that the, the syrup was stolen. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that later. But those are the, the, the main five people that were, and I'm sure that there are more people than that that were involved. And in, well, I know for sure that there were. That's just the people who got jail time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there were security guards and stuff involved, you know, that, but, uh, yeah, it's a uh, the way it happened, like the way like everything was set up. Like I don't know how this couldn't have happened, you know. Uh, considering the people that own the warehouse, uh, the people that they the people that they knew and dealt with. Like if I was somebody who's working, like if I was in charge, you know, of of setting up this uh this warehouse for the uh, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. I, I thought I would think I would put a little bit of effort into making sure. That like this large stockhold of valuable material was being held by somebody who wasn't questionable, and from what I understand, background check they were questionable. Know. Well, that's actually <laughs> yeah. yeah the, uh, Avi yeah. Caron, yeah, he had a history of crime and even suspected connections to mafia, like Italian mafia. But one of the one yeah. of the conspiracies, I'll just throw this out there real quick. I could not substantiate this. One of the conspiracies for this case is that the cartel itself was actually behind the theft because they wanted to to kind of so first they get to steal the syrup from themselves, sell that on the market, get paid something for that. Obviously, the money's going to go around. Everybody's going to get you know a share, but they're going to get some money from that, and they get an insurance payment from it as well. So they yep they just hired some shitty criminals. But if they had, you know, if they had hit up some better criminals, they would have never got caught. No way. Caron blamed the Montreal Mafia. There's a mafia in Montreal, the Rizzuto crime family. They're Italian. They're called, uh, I guess there's a show on Netflix, but you can only get it in Canada, which annoys me. I hate on Netflix where there's like, you hear about a good show and you can't watch it because it's international. Anyways, the show's called... Bad blood. If you're okay. in Canada, you probably all you gotta do that. is get a VPN. Yeah, we gotta get us a VPN. Oh, good, because there's all kinds of shows like in the UK. We gotta get it like a VPN sponsor. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm work. I'm working on them sponsors. We'll get one <laughs> sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually not that far away from getting sponsors. I just got. I got to jump through a couple of hoops here. Yeah, hurry up. I'm busy, man. I tell you what. The the moment we get a sponsor, I'm gonna slap myself in the titties. <laughs> Both of them at the same time. I guarantee you. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that too. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We're being listened to right now. Live. Yeah. Live. Yeah, that, will, is... that will be edited out, but. I apologize to the live listeners for this previous comment by Aging ETA. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, fuck it. I'm going to slap myself in the goddamn titties. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to edit out the previous bit and we're going to be talking about like, like uh, the suspects, and then out of nowhere, ETA is just going to say that just out of nowhere. Yes, there's going to be yes, there's going to be no context whatsoever. 
<laughs> yes, do it. I love that. People are just going to be like, what? I would love that. <laughs> it's not going to make any sense. <laughs> Nor I don't think it does it really need to. I mean, it's coming from me. So. Yeah, that's, that's true, I guess. I don't know. Hey, you're making sense this episode, though. You're talking about all the suspects and whatnot. You like that? Dude, that segue. I'm getting good at those, man. That was an awesome segue right there. You're, you're a segue. That was top shelf right there, dude. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Back All right, to the so, show. Tis a silly episode. <laughs> well, it's about yes. syrup heists. I mean, of course it's silly. I'm surprised we haven't like like started calling us like calling each other hosers or or saying howdy hoser or something like that. I know, know, right? Well, just uh, shout out to one of my favorite shows, actually, um, Alien Theorists Theorizing. They did an episode on this case a while back, and uh, they they do some good Canadian impersonations and stuff. They're actually they are Canadians. Well, three out of four of the people on the show are Canadians, so it's a uh, it's pretty funny if you go look them up. Um, just look up their show and search for syrup if you want some good Canadian shenanigans. But <laughs> did they do some some to the effect of like, oh, did I steal your syrup there, buddy? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, they do. They do a reenactment <laughs> of um, you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to give it away, but I, I can't really do it justice, anyways. But it's it's pretty funny stuff. Back to the show. Yes, back to the show, indeed. But yeah, so you got any other suspects for us, Agent ETA? I mean, there's more suspects that uh, you know, the, like, like uh, the name, the names, of, like the security guards and stuff. But I'll be honest, I, I don't have them written written down. Like, I didn't go that far into it. Did you mention? I think there's one more that you didn't talk about called um, Etienne. Oh no, you mentioned him. Never mind. Scratch that. Those are the Etienne. five. Yeah, those. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so you went the, through all of them. The big okay. five. So let's talk about like how this went down. What did they do? Mission Impossible style. I like the story of how they discovered that the heist had happened. Uh, there was an inspector named um, Mike Michael. I think it might be pronounced Mich- Michelle. Michelle Gavreau. Michelle. Yeah. He yeah was, Michelle. He was doing his annual audit. So they only audit the where maybe they change this now after this heist. But at the time, they only actually checked their warehouses once a year. And like like yeah. I think ETA was saying, you're it's like you're asking to get robbed, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I leave, you know, let me rent some space in your warehouse. I'm going to put $10 million in there and uh, I'm going to check on it once a year. It's no, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm not going to put, yeah, once, <laughs> uh, once a freaking year, dude. Not only that, but like, we're not going to put any cameras on it. We're not going to put uh, any security guards on ourselves. The, the only security guards are going to be there are going to be provided by the people that own the building, which are in on it, by the way, you know, and, and it's just like, they were pretty damn lazy about this. Like they, they were just naive. It seems like it to me. They're yeah. just too naive. And that's why this whole thing happened to begin with, you know, because the, the, the perpetrators reco- recognized how easy the situation was, you know, and they took advantage of it throughout almost what was it, it was 2011 to 2012, but it wasn't quite a year. Right. 
in which like the, the, the period of time in which they, they were doing these crimes. Cause it, it wasn't all done at once. They didn't take all the maple syrup at once. It was little by little, one barrel at a time, not necessarily one barrel at a time, but one, one night at a time, you know? Yeah. They must've been working at a pretty, a pretty good pace to get almost 10,000 barrels in under a year. You think they would have taken the money and run at some point. It just, it blows my mind that they, got caught because you would think at some point they would be like, okay, we've got our 13 mil, right? Let's just split it between the five of us and go to Mexico. Yeah. At some point you think, okay, well, we have enough now, even at like, let's say five mil. Okay. We each get a mil and let's just call it a day, you know, go on some vacations or something, but like they couldn't stop, you know, Mm -hmm. they got too greedy. And then it they, was too easy. They got cat. Well, that's true. I mean, it was so easy. They probably didn't expect to get caught. Well, it, it was, yeah, it was too easy. And then because it was so easy, they got lazy. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is the main factor why they got caught. Like, so even, all right, so, so that inspector you're talking about, the reason why they, they raised suspicion was because the, the guy was, was doing his yearly audit, which you would think like with that much, with that kind of a supply that's worth so much money once a year. Are you kidding me? That's it? Like that that's the inspection once a year? You'd think at least like every six months, at, at least, you know, I would think, but because it's could because it's worth so much money, like I said. But so once a year they do their audits, and w- when this inspector was doing his audits, he started to climb climb up on the barrels to try to uh get to the top of the stack. And these barrels, when they're fi- when they're full with maple syrup, they weigh plenty. So you can you can pull on them this way or that. They're they're pretty stable. So you can you can climb on on these stacks of six hundred pounds each is what I saw. Yeah, which is much more than your average man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much yeah. much more. <laughs> so yeah, you can climb on these things all damn day long, pull on them this way or that, and you're not gonna you know have to worry too much about them toppling over each other or, or you know like falling. So yeah, so he uh, was was doing just that th- that that very thing and happened to notice that some of these barrels were empty. Matter of fact, he almost fell to his death because some of these barrels were empty at the top and he decided to grab on them and like, you know, hold on to them like they were full. And he almost fell backwards and, and, you know, not to his death potentially, but like he could have injured himself pretty badly. That's for sure. I don't know. 600 and pounds. So, well, yeah. And these well, barrels, had 600 pounds fall on top fall of you, on top maybe, of but. They stack these barrels pretty high too. I saw some pictures in, in the video they yes. showed some film. And I don't know exactly how high, but it looked like they could have been like 20 or 30 feet up. I they, don't know. They forklift them up. So however yeah. high the forklift goes, sure. I guess. Yeah. And if you fall from even a 10 foot fall, if you do it right, can cause some pretty serious injury. So <laughs> this could oh, have yeah. this could have really messed this guy up if he had fallen, you know? Yeah, for sure. They noticed that, like, not only are some of these barrels empty, just plain empty, they also noticed that some of these barrels have, like, rust rings around them, which maple syrup does not cause. It doesn't make metal rust. Water does, though. So there's a pond. Was it a pond outside the uh, the warehouse that they were filling up the barrels with, right? I think it was a little ways away. There, like yeah. a streamer. I didn't find was anything it, where they knew specifically was, where the water was, but they filled up some of the barrels. A lot, Most of them, they filled up with water. After they stole them, so yeah. they would they would take the barrels. Uh, they oh, used, a, there was a creek, not, yeah, not there a was pond, something. a creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they think it was. It was creek water. Yeah, I prefer to pronounce it as creek. 
because it makes me feel all, all like old timey. You know, that's how they pronounce <laughs> it in Canada. Is it really? <laughs> no. Was <laughs> oh, it? No. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got me. You got me. I was like, wait, what? Really? <laughs> no, but but uh, so yeah, they they fill up so, uh, a lot of these burrows with uh with water. And as like the highest got more and more comfortable, like because they they just never really came across any op, you know obstacles or anything like that, so they were like, you know what, fuck it, let's just put these barrels back empty. Which I actually think, if they would have took the extra effort and just filled them up with dirt instead of water, like it wouldn't have made it rust, but it will, it would, it would have still been plenty heavy, right? Now it's not going to act like like a a, a fluid. You know, but how how much are they going to be really moving it around when they're doing the audits? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like they they could have they could have potentially got away with like like missing one of these audits as far as like the audits like not catching them. Maybe like you know, sand or something. But siphon you know, sand into their the funnel. Yeah, exactly. Sand or dirt, some something that's not going to react with the metal and make it make it rust. You know, so like like. The empty barrels was the first big red flag, obviously, because of how many they found that were empty. You know, there was quite a few. Uh, but if they would have just like started with dirt and ended with dirt, like like filled filled up everything with dirt, uh, I think that they would have probably been able to go on with this heist for maybe another year or so. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like wouldn't have been caught up until that, like until somebody really was paying attention, you know? If they had paced themselves and they hadn't tried to get, you know, as much as they possibly could, if they had paced themselves and been a little smarter about it, they could have done this indefinitely. Like they would have never got caught. They could still be doing it, but they got too greedy yeah. and they got too lazy <laughs> and they got caught. Like the water thing kind of surprised me. Like you should have known that that's going to cause rust in those particular barrels, you know, but I guess we can't all be criminal geniuses. Well, if they were, they would have gone to Mexico, like we said before. I'm going to go to Mexico with my maple money, baby. <laughs> well, um, besides the rust and the empty barrels, there was one more telltale sign of which barrels had been moved by the criminals. The warehouse that uses, or the warehouse that stores the barrels, they have a special forklift that they use that does not put any mark on the barrels. And for whatever crazy reason, the barrels that they use are painted with like a white. So if, I mean, you touch these things at all, it's going to look like, um, you know, you're going to leave a mark and which it, they look really nice. And the, I, maybe they do it because like the white barrels, they look like super clean and super nice. But on the other hand, white gets dirty real easy. So if you're using a forklift, that's not the special forklift that picks up the barrel a specific way, then it'll leave a mark on there. And that's how they were also able to identify these barrels is they they rented just like a regular old normal forklift to move the barrels, the criminals did, and it left all kinds of marks all over them. And you can look up pictures of this or check out a documentary, and you can see it. It's it's pretty obvious, actually. Like, surprisingly obvious. And um, I don't know what they were thinking, but, like, looking at it, it's like, dude, anybody auditing this is going to notice that, like, right away, right? I mean... These barrels have these big dents and like big marks on the sides. It's it's uh so from what I from what I understand, the way that they started out was that they would take the barrels and then replace them with with fake barrels that were pretty much the exact same. They, they were replicas, you know. Right. 
And and that's one of the uh, the reasons why they had these those telltale marks that like you know the particular uh, loader would have you know, and um, that's why it differed from from what they would normally see, um, and and like those were originally the the original ones like the the early ones were the ones that were were filled with water you know those those were the ones that they they saw the rust marks and stuff and the rust rings at the bottom of the barrels you know but they looked exactly the same as the original ones and they they even like made like fake uh tags to put on the side of them and stuff and like to make them look like they had they had been inspected or what have you and they were supposedly like exact like they they were spot on you know like they were the same thing but then they got lazy because they were so successful so that they stopped doing that and they just ended up like bringing back their original barrels after they siphoned all the maple syrup from them and just just left them empty you know right and that's that's when they really kind of started started fucking up you know like yeah well they because they they just they got lazy you know they made one of the guys made a critical mistake investigating this is nearly impossible because once the maple syrup is moved out of the barrel, the barrels all have markings on them indicating, I'm guessing, like, you know, they have like a barcode and like a sticker probably saying where it comes from and that kind of stuff. But once you move the syrup out of that barrel, there's no way to track it. There's there's nothing specific to that syrup that will tell you where it came from. So as soon as you get out of that barrel into the black market, it's gone. It's gone for good. You would think so, but they recovered two thirds. They reco- they recovered two thirds. Well, uh, recovered, quote unquote, right? They don't know that they got the specific syrup, but they did the Etienne Saint Pierre, the guy who was the distributor. They brought it to him to to get it into the international market. They shut his whole business down. They just took all of his stuff. He had like warehouses full of syrup and stuff. Oh, and they just they, they were like, this is now. They're like, yeah, okay, this is yoink. This is ours now, but it probably wasn't. Yeah. Because they were selling anything to do with the the heist. Yeah. Yeah. They were selling it to him in batches. And I believe that it's very possible that this guy didn't know that this syrup had been stolen. He possibly just thought it was black market syrup because he did work with black market dealers. That's one of the things he did because where he was, he was in New Brunswick. It was not illegal there to do that. So you could bring him syrup and he would just buy it and then resell it on, you know, distribute it to the market or whatever. So I think it's very plausible that this guy was caught up in this unwittingly, you know, cause it's not like they brought him yeah. 10,000 barrels all at once. They brought it to him over time. I think it's very plausible, but we don't yeah, really know. I agree. We don't really know, but it's just kind of sad to see they just they took everything from this guy when it's possible that he didn't really had commit a crime really you know which you know is kind of kind of sad but that that was one of the most difficult things for the investigators is you know how to trace the syrup but one of the guys it was was it Sebastian um Sebastian Jutras i believe Jutois Jutois he he rented a, he rented one of the forklifts in his name, under his real name. And I guess they could tell by like the marks that the forklifts left on the barrels, they could tell what model of forklift would have been used to lift that barrel. So they went around to all the local like forklift renting places and they had, I guess they had a list of suspects 
And this guy was on there and that's basically how they found him. That's how they, they cracked the case was somebody was incredibly stupid and they rented the, the equipment that they used for the crime in their own name, which is mind bogglingly dumb. If you're ever going to commit a crime and you're renting something, don't use your real name guys. Just use an alias, you know? It's yeah, that easy. I, I don't I don't know how much how much he profited from this event, but he he only spent uh he spent like eight months in prison, I think. Which I have the prison fines if, and dates and time. What's that show? It's not on anymore. It was it was like in the nineties and then after the show it'd be like dung dung and then they'd tell you all the post sentences and stuff. No, that show's back. What, yeah? What show is that? Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> it's back? Really? I thought it I think No, it, it is. You're right. It's what what Netflix. Network? Netflix. Yeah. It's on Netflix. I don't know how often they produce yeah, episodes. Okay. And I don't know if it got recanceled because unfortunately, that's one of the things now is Netflix will buy up the rights to a show, produce one or two seasons, and then kill it again. Uh so it's possible that they only made like 10 episodes and they're like, nah, you know what? I'm done with this. Let's get something else. Gweezy says it was Law and Order that I'm thinking of. Unsolved oh, Mysteries, it? no. No, I, I refuse to believe the Unsolved Mysteries couldn't like harbor more than like another 20 or 80 seasons. <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> you, you know? can just keep it going. That show's amazing. I love that show. Oh, so it's it's Law and Order? Law and Order, where at the end they tell you what happens to the criminals. Oh, okay. Richard Vallier, the ringleader, will get 14 years in prison. And if he doesn't pay his fine, he'll get even more. Sort of was it 14 years? I thought he got eight. Yeah, but if he doesn't pay 9.4 Canadian dollars, 9.4 million Canadian dollars, million, his sentence yeah. gets increased to 14 well, it's years. Well, within, within, yeah, within a certain amount of time, right? Yeah, exactly. It's within eight years, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt that that guy kept that much of the money. And yet, he's fine. Well, eh, but how much, you, did he, how much did he make, though? Okay, so it's 18 million, but there's a lot of people involved here. It's not like one person gets to keep all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they they yeah. sell that, but they're not getting top dollar for that, first of all. They're not going to get dollar for dollar with black market stuff. They're only going to be able to sell it at a, a percentage of that. I don't know what that percentage would be, but it might only be you know 60% or 80% on the dollar. So right away, we're talking about 18 million Canadian. That could already be as low as, let's say, 12 million Canadian, right? Now you have five conspirators none of those conspirators are walking away with 9 million Canadian in this. So they're, in my opinion, that penalty is far in excess of what this guy made from the heist. Well, and Avik Cohen was, was fined 1.2 million. Right. Which you got to think that he was, it's funny because they think that, um, in five years in prison. Yeah. They, they think that, uh, that Richard was the ringleader, which is why they gave him the heaviest penalty. But Avik is the—he's the one that started the whole process. So if anybody kept the lion's share, you would imagine it would be Av- yeah. Avik. But who knows? Maybe because he wasn't directly stealing the stuff, maybe he only got a small cut. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that caveat there, the Richard Valles or whatever his name is, he—he's the one that got eight years in prison plus the nine point four million dollar fine. Yeah. But he has to pay that fine back with within. 14 years, I think, right? Is that, is if he that, doesn't pay it back by it the time his prison sentence is up, he has to serve 14 years. I know the Canadian justice system oh, is different it is. than okay. our system too. Like 
Yeah. You know, they, they don't give like a lot of life sentences for things. They believe in uh, reforming, reforming people. Yeah, I don't, I don't I really know. I believe in harsh, lot. harsh, harsh penalties. You're thinking, the harshest of, you're of, thinking of Texas. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just thinking in general, like, you know, even if I happen to be, you know, uh, a cold recipient of of this type of penalty, say for instance I happen to uh, break a law in the future, I'm Are still you planning so a heist? Are you planning a maple syrup heist? Well No. No, never. <laughs> not hardly now, ever. not anymore. No. <laughs> no, hardly ever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm I'm just saying, like the better the fear of repercussion, the more you're going to have a populace that is going to be in line with a, a better standard of morals. You know what I mean? Maybe, unless those morals are created by a cartel. Dun, dun, <laughs> dun. No, but so one of the interesting things about this case was Sebastian, I think you might have touched on this, but not just Sebastian, but a lot of the people. Uh, I've found different numbers, different places, like 17 people or 28 people. But there was a lot of people who were arrested for this and a lot of people who were questioned. And a lot of them said that, look, I was hired to move this syrup, but I didn't know it was actually stolen. Somebody just paid me to move it. And they're like, really? Yeah. So think, think, think about it. Think about it. Like, would you just, if you're the one that sold this syrup, would you just tell everybody around that is involved, like, hey, this is stolen syrup, by the way. Would hot, you, uh, hot I, syrup. I need to hire you to move this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some of that hot syrup you've been hearing about. Yummy. I mean, it seems, it seems pretty plausible to me that they're just hiring some contractor. Just, you know, they're just saying, hey, we need you to move, you know, 10 barrels tonight. And uh, it's a last minute order. It has to be done before the morning. We need you to move it for us. And then they just pay him a little bit of money and they move it for him. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me. But the Sebastian fella, Sebastian, that fella, he said that he didn't know at first, but eventually he turned on his co-conspirators, like he just completely yeah. stabbing them in the back. And the reason why they, we, I think the reason why we know so much about this case is because that guy, uh, he fibbed or he fessed up to the police about everything he, that was going on. He caved under pressure. Yeah, he totally caved. He caved like mm-hmm. a hot, empty soda can. No, wait, that doesn't work. I'll, I'll think <laughs> hot of something knife else. into butter. Uh, yeah, hot, yeah. He caved like a hot knife into butter. That works better. There you go. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's there's certain p- weak links in this case. Well, there's actually just one leak, weak link, and um, it, it was Sebastian. <laughs> that was the weak link. <laughs> but I, th- I think you mentioned. Um, so yeah, you went from Avik. To basically the it went from Avik to Sebastian to Richard to Etienne, who you know from from the warehouse to the distributor, basically, and uh, and that was essentially the path that the that the syrup took to get into the international markets, mostly the United States and Japan, if I remember correctly. That's very exotic, yeah. Japan. I guess I didn't know they were into maple syrup over there. I guess they like syrup. There. What do they put it know. on? I don't think they have like American style pancakes. Well, some people they don't like the spicy, so instead of wasabi, they use maple syrup on their sushi. It was sure. definitely being sold sold into Europe as well. Yeah, I, I don't remember which country it was. Maybe Belgium because of the waffles. I, don't know, <laughs> I think but, you're just uh, making you know. that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got I, I, I got to be honest. 
I got to be honest, I did make myself some homemade Belgian waffles in preparation for this episode because syrup. Oh, hell just, yeah. Just because. But did you use Aunt Jemima? No. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, not As only, a matter of fact. Not only are we having cocktails made with real maple syrup, I think after the episode, I'm going to have to mix myself another one because they're, dude, I was expecting it to be like kind of, eh, this is all right, but I can see why nobody ever orders this in a bar ever. But I made it. Mm-hmm. It is friggin' delicious. It is so good. Nobody I'm, ever orders it in a bar because they don't have maple syrup at the bar. Yeah, probably. I went and bought myself a like, a like a small jug of maple syrup, and it was about thirty dollars for I don't know how many ounces, how many fluid ounces, but uh, it wasn't that much. Like it wasn't very many, you know. Yeah, you, you have to immerse yourself in the topic. <laughs> you know, really get into the case. I actually went up to Niagara Falls for a conference and I brought home like a maple syrup set with like the different grades and colors and uh, those little maple leaf candies, you know, that look like the Canadian maple leaf. Oh, yeah. Maple syrup. Mm -hmm. Those are good. So, by the way, I I learned, I don't remember where I learned this, but apparently if you get like grade A syrup and grade B syrup, grade B is not inferior. It's just like a different color. It's like darker or lighter or something. It's because of the season. It depends on when it's harvested and the conditions under which it's harvested. Oh, okay. But I I think I I read this somewhere. People think that grade B is inferior, so people just won't buy it. So it's actually cheaper, even though the quality is the same as grade A. It's a strange thing. They need to change that nomenclature somehow. (laughs) They just need to make people more aware. It's about awareness, people. Syrup awareness. And that's what this episode is really about. (laughs) Hell yeah. And cartels. And a global syrup reserve. (laughs) (laughs) Well, So that's about all I had for this week's episode. Did you fellas have anything else? Fellow agents? No, my notes are full. I don't think we really went over the whole time period too too much as far as like like how... Cause like, like, like we talked about earlier, like it wasn't just like a, a one day or one week endeavor. This was almost a full year. Like the, these guys like went in and out of this uh, warehouse, just like willy nilly to like, like because like they had no oversight there, like the, the security that was there on, on, on site was uh, in on the, uh, on the, on the gig, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, the whole the whole time they would just be able to basically go in there and take whatever they want at, at will, you know, like they didn't have to worry about anybody like catching them because, you know, um, the person that owned this warehouse was in on on the heist and like 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 I said, like if they only made a couple different, you know, choices changes decisions. to their tactics, if they wouldn't have gotten. Yeah, if they wouldn't have gotten so lazy and just like like put back like empty barrels, like just fill it in with water, even you know, like like, like they did early on. But like I think like like dirt or sand, something like that would be way more beneficial because it wouldn't um, you know put the rust rings on the barrels, and and uh, they probably could have drawn it out to like two years instead of one year. You know, I feel like they still would have gotten caught eventually. Yeah. I feel like it was almost in- inevitable that they were going to get caught. I agree. Yeah, for sure. I f- I do find it, I do find it f- one year heist. These <laughs> right. That's a funny. That's a funny thing to to think yeah. about. Right. 
These guys were looting and scooting for an entire year. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, and they got really comfortable doing what they what the they were doing. You know, <laughs> it just like became their job, right? <laughs> All right, I'd like to end with this. Well, wait, wait, we're what? not we're not ending just yet. I, I think we should. Okay, but wait, before we ended, okay, I just wanted to ask real quick. We have a couple of people in our live audience. Oh, Do you have yeah. any questions or comments for us? Go ahead and put it in the live show chat if you have any questions or comments before we end up the episode. Looks like uh, Gweezy is typing. Hey, Gweezy, Gweezy, a badass motherfucker. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I don't know who this is, but I like that name. And Mashuka, Mashuka was here last time, dude. Mashuka, Hell what's yeah. up, dude? So is Gweezy. Gweezy <laughs> and Mashuka were both here last time. They're our listeners. Oh, they were, weren't they? Yeah. That's right. That's why I, rec- I recognize that name. Gweezy said, this episode is so trippy for me. Maple syrup heist. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me just yeah. tell you. Both Gweezy and Mashuka, you're both legends. Hell yeah. I appreciate both of you. All right. And to end it up, Ether had something to end it up on. Do you want it like the very end instead of Keep It Strange? No. No? Just, okay. Just so, right now. Okay, go ahead. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate the crime and the attorneys who prosecute the offenders. And this was their story. all right that's from law and order okay yeah (laughs) i think i've heard that although i've never actually seen the show believe it or not oh it's a good show is it yeah well now it's you know kind of dated but yeah all right well on that note thanks for listening (laughs) you can follow us on twitter at alienconpod we also have an email address alienconpod at protonmail.com we would love to hear from you And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Discord. Links in the description. If you'd like to help the show out, you can do so by suggesting us to your friends or on social media. Keep it strange.